Hey there! I'm really glad that you've come to check out the KZMC Weekly Teaching. My name is Ryan Yancey and I'm the lead pastor. KZMC gathers together for worship every Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m. in person. You can also join us via our live stream available on YouTube. If you're from the area and you're not already connected to a church, we'd love to have you come join us. You can find the full details at kzmc.ca. It's my hope and it's my prayer that God will speak to you through this teaching. May you have a marvelous day. On the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you to. Sorry. Now there were six stone jars there for the Jewish rite of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. Maybe you could just do it for me, sorry. Uh, when the master of the feast tested the water, now become wine, and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, everyone serves the good wine first, and when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine, but you have kept the good wine until now. This is the first... This is the first of his signs Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. When we're small, we try to put the world together as best we can. We try to understand reality, and our role models for understanding reality are Understanding comes by and large from our parents. Our parents are the ones that form and shape our hearts and our lives. Those are the ones that we bring questions to. And when I was small, one of the questions I had was, Dad, where does all this stuff come from? Where did the chair come from? Where did the TV come from? Where did all these things come from? And my father brought forth out of his pocket the mighty penny. <laughs> and he put the penny in my hand and he said, son, all these things came from this money. And if you have money, you can purchase things like the TV, like the chair, like your bed. So it's very important that you have money. And just to be charitable, he gave me a second penny. The next day, I rounded up one of my friends and we proceeded to the convenience store. There at the convenience store, we looted this little place. Comic books, candies, supplies for the house, meats, cheeses, putting them all on the counter of this store. 
And I remember the little Asian man behind the counter putting all the, tabulating all the things that these two four-year-olds had brought to the front. Then the moment of purchase came and he, he, he gave the price, I couldn't remember what it was, I was but I produced my penny and slid the penny across the counter and began to collect our wares. Where the, 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 the cashier said, stop, you don't have enough. I turned to my friend and said, don't worry. The second penny came out. <laughs> I put it on the counter and slid it across. And he said, you don't have enough. Put all this stuff back right now. We did leave with two pieces of candy, but that was a valuable lesson for me, that we are all running out. We are all running out. We are running out of time. We are running out of resources. We are running out of relationships. Dreary, I know. But what do we do when we run out? Maybe we can go back, oh, it worked for me. This is what we do. We crash, we burn, we attempt to fix our problems. And when we cannot fix our problems, when our problems are too big, we begin to adapt habits and behaviors and patterns of thinking that will keep us off the carpet from weeping like children from temper tantrums. We develop these ways of living. And when we develop these ways of living, some of these ways of living and coping were profitable. They were acceptable. They actually met our needs. But as we get older, as we begin to develop in our lives and get married and have children, some of our habits, some of the ways that we think, some of the ways that we approach our problems, we approach our emptiness, fall short. I read this morning um, from John chapter 2. Um, it was a union of two lives. It's a marriage. It's a celebratory event. And in Jesus' day, these events took place over weeks. It wasn't just one day. It would have, it would have been a week-long celebration. And this celebration was key for the groom to demonstrate that he could take care of his family. He could take care of his bride. And it was an opportunity for him to demonstrate to the community that he would be a valuable member to the community. And in a shame-based culture, just like we have, we have a shame-based culture too. In a shame-based culture, it was very important what his reputation was, how he presented himself, and how he was going to set the course for his new life. And as I read already, that this celebration turned into crisis. They had run out of wine. And this um, emptiness, this demonstration of inability to meet needs would turn against him. As a matter of fact, some commentators believe that he was open to liability. We don't know why Mary's there. We assume she must have been uh, one of the family members, but she's helping with the event. And she comes to Jesus and she says, we have no more wine. We have no more wine. We're empty. We've got nothing. Many of us who are Christians 
have come to the Lord in our time of brokenness, our time of revelation, our acknowledgement of our brokenness and our sin before a holy God, a loving God, and we've said, we don't have enough, Lord. Take my life. And yet, as we present our lives to the Lord, we continue to live in brokenness, continue to live in shame, continue to do the things that we know don't please God, continue to hurt people, and we continue to sometimes even destroy our lives. Let me tell you first off that your response to God when offering your life was exactly the response that you needed to make. Your response to emptiness absolutely matters. It does. Next slide there, thanks. Your response to emptiness matters. God is always waiting for us to approach him with our concerns. So the first step, and many of us have made that step, is to take them to God. But here's the thing. Uh, next slide, sorry. God wants more. God asks for more. Mary goes to Jesus and says, they're out of wine. And Jesus says, what business is this of yours and mine? It's not my time. Do not push me, Jesus says. And he says this very cryptic thing saying, my hour has not yet come. Maybe we can move to... Oh, we're at cross purpose. I'll just let you do it. <laughs> I'm going to follow my own advice and surrender. Um... Next slide, please. Yeah. Jesus says this very cryptic thing, saying, my hour has not yet come. What is this hour that hasn't come? Just really briefly, because it's important to the context. Jesus will say this in the Gospel of John a few times, but the hour that has not come is that the Son of Man would be glorified. The Son of, and this glorification was Jesus going to the cross. So in John 12, uh, verses 27 to 28, he says, Now my heart is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? This is Jesus. No, it's for this very hour, for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. And many of us come to the Christian faith, and we believe, now that I've surrendered my life, now that I've given my heart to the Lord, he's going to solve all my problems. And he's just going to magically Take my judgment away, my prejudice, my phoniness, my lust for pornography, my gambling addiction, my struggling with pres pre uh, prescription drugs. This is going to magically melt away now because God can do all things and in all things, is, everything's possible, nothing's impossible for God. Therefore, I'm going to just, I'll submit to him and this is magically going to go away. Mary says this, Jesus rebukes her, my hour has not yet come. Mary believed that Jesus at that moment would just fix it, he doesn't fix it, and then she turns to the servants and she says to the servants, do whatever he tells you to do. Do whatever he tells you to do. Do whatever he says to do. Submit to him in faith, Walk forth, present, present yourselves to him. 
follow his instructions perfectly. And this is a picture of Freedom Session. And that's why I'm here to speak. I'm here to invite you, like Mary did, to take this next step of faith. You believe, that's great. But will you do whatever he tells you to do? One of your own, I have a testimony from Diane. She could not be here this morning. But I'd like to read this testimony from Diane. She writes this. Freedom Session has been another step in my ongoing journey of inner healing and wholeness. Over time, I have come to realize that we have so many layers inside of us. When we are open-hearted to our own experiences in life, with the compassion and acceptance of others on this journey, we go through stages of healing at various points in our lives. The Holy Spirit's role in healing was very evident in Freedom Session, powerfully and gently leading each one of us into the darker parts of our soul that we so easily desire to hide from, ignore, push away, or pretend don't exist. Freedom Session provides a safe place to open up those parts in an atmosphere of acceptance, courage, and compassion. Personal benefits, the biggest one for Diane, were the amends card. One part of this process was to confess to others how I had wronged them. The author laid out the steps and the words for the confession in a very clear manner. As difficult as it was to actually do it, it was also so liberating to have the opportunity to speak honestly to those I felt I had wronged. Another homework assignment was to figure out our own character defects. Then to ask someone to name them according to the list of character defects named in the book. I gained a clearer understanding of my character defects, but also of the love others have for me in the midst of these defects. Very healing. The material is very sound, reliable, and effective. During many of the videos, we would be asked to stop and answer some questions related to the material of the session. Often Ken, Ken Dick is the author and uh, facilitator of Freedom Session, often Ken would say, listen to the Holy Spirit, let him direct you, and he did. There, was, there often was a still, small voice that popped into my head that made so much sense and was so loving. I would like to thank my triad partners for being patient with me. I appreciated your honesty and stance of come today, however you are, you're welcome. In feeling the relief of being able to be ourselves without judgment at one session, I wondered out loud how it would be if we, in our church, could be so honest and vulnerable with ourselves and trusted others, knowing that we would be accepted and loved no matter what. How would our church be? I think the sticky web of trying to do what we think we are expected to be would lessen and we would be freed up to be the persons God has created us to be. The wounds from the past would lose their hold on us through awareness and forgiveness of our own selves and others. We would be given the opportunity to make amends with others, to, know, to truly know ourselves and each other's and grow in the greatest commandment, to love the Lord your God with all our hearts, souls, and minds, and to love our neighbors as ourselves. Some descriptive words to describe this journey, Diane finishes. Demanding, rewarding, painful, 
genuine and authentic, connection, reality check, courage, compassion, and creative. It sounds scary, and it is. I suspect that each one of us who took Freedom Session would say, this is one of the hardest things and one of the best things that I've ever done. Maybe some of you were handed a small piece of paper. Uh, It says character defects on it, front and back. There is a list of character defects. For those of you who cannot identify with emptiness or do not think that you are in need of coming to, to Christ, may I present this opportunity to you. Over the next week, would you take this piece of paper If you're married, hand it to your spouse. If you're not married, hand it to a parent. And if you can't do either of those things, hand it to your best friend. And ask your friend this one question, and I've done this with clinicians, with psychiatrists, and it's been a very very liberating experience for them. Go to that significant person who knows you very well with that list and say, please share with me the three character defects you see in me in my life. Share with me whether I'm phony, whether I withdraw, whether I'm a liar, whether um, I'm trying to, I'm I'm sharing all of mine with you, so, (laughs) so you know, those are the ones I remember. Um, You know, whether or not you're struggling with one particular thing. Ask them, and when they tell you, your initial response is going to be, yeah, but, or that's not me. Who are you talking about? But that's not what you're going to say. What you're going to say is, thank you. I will bring this to the Lord. Because in, let's just go with, in our phoniness, in my phoniness, there is a desire to be liked. In my people-pleasing, there's a desire to please others, to be well-regarded. Why? Because I need them to feel good about me. I need their responses to lift me up, to fill me in my emptiness. But who fills us in our emptiness? Who's called to come into our lives and demonstrate his sufficiency, his goodness, his love? Christ. Christ is. But so often in the church, we have what Ken Dick calls a broken harvest. A broken harvest are people who have responded to Christ's call to come out of their sin and to have new life in him, but we limp along in our new lives because we haven't changed and we just normalize our truncated understanding of faith when Jesus says in John, I have come to give you life and give you life abundant. Mary says do whatever He says, and as Glenn found, and as Diane finds, and how Carol finds, and how the others that participated in Frida's session, I hope, have found, is that God does not respond to problems. If he responded to our problems, we wouldn't have any. If he responded to homelessness, there'd be no homeless. If he responded to just hunger, we'd have no hungry people. He responds to our faith. He responds to our faith. God transforms the water into wine when we say, do whatever he says. When we have the courage to walk in his strength and say, I'm addicted to pornography and I have to stop. 
I control people in my life and it's driving them crazy and driving them away and I have to stop. But I don't know how. God, I will do whatever you say. And that is when the hour comes. My hour has not yet come. There is faith. Then he transforms water into wine. Taking, think about this, water poured into a jug it would be like you calling me and saying, Frank, I ran out of gas and I bring orange juice to the side of the road. But they do it because sometimes we need to come to the end of ourselves before we reach the beginning of God. And that's what happened with Mary. That's what's happened with the servants. And as we see, crazily enough, this event happens in front of the disciples and the disciples their response to it is, this is great wine. Forget the LCBO. We're just going to hang out with Jesus all the time. They say, no, they say, they put their faith in Jesus. Why do they put their faith in Jesus when he does this benign miracle? And I say benign because when we think about the miracles of Jesus, this one doesn't often come up, but this is the, this is the miracle that they put their faith in Jesus for. Why? Because in Zephaniah and Isaiah and the other minor prophets, the kingdom of God is represented with new wine and banquets and being at the table of the Lord and this newness. We have been called to a newness of life and we can trust God to act and move in our lives and make it new. Many of us have come to faith without newness but it's available, it's open to you. Freedom session is not magic. It's a vehicle that the Holy Spirit uses in the hearts and the lives and the minds of those that submit to it in order to have the abundant life that God promised to give them. And it's difficult, and it's taxing, and there are times you do not want to come. And there are questions that you'll be asked that you do not want to answer. And there will be times in a, a, a private setting, but public with other sisters. If you're, if you're a lady, you'll meet with women. If you're a man, you'll meet with men. And in these settings, you'll be asked to be who you are. Not who you wish you were, not who you show other people, but who you really are. Because that is the response to do whatever he says. Jesus is asking you to take the mask off. He's asking you to be who he created you to be so he can make you who he knows and wants you to be in Christ. On Monday, September 27th, we will be again meeting here in your church. And I'd like to express a warm sense of, of appreciation and gratitude to the leadership of this church because other churches aren't interested in doing this. When I, present, when I presented this program to other people, they said, we, we could never do this. I said, why not? And forgive me, I'm from the city. So uh, anonymity is our, our where? We, we're, we, we prize ourselves on anonymity. But they said, we can never do this here because everyone will know us and everyone will know our business and it's not safe. Back to Mary, do whatever he says to do. If right now you are feeling called, if you are feeling pricked by the Holy Spirit to respond on Monday, 
Just come once. Just come once. Come to Monday and listen to the program and meet us and hear more about our stories. Just come once. No obligation. No obligation. You can, you can come in here, and, you, and if the Spirit says it's not for you, your hour has not come for this, that's fine. That's absolutely fine. We, we bless you. But if you come on Monday and, you're, and like Jesus set his face before Jerusalem to the cross, if you feel that you need to set your face towards God in this time of your life, then we want you to take that step of faith and we will be there. And if you have no faith for your life because you've been trying to change for decades and it's not working, you can borrow our faith because we believe that God wants to do something powerful for you. I'll pray for us. Father God, we thank you so much that you are a God of newness, that you take old things and make them new. You take broken things, make them new. You renew our minds, you renew our hearts, you renew our souls. Lord, I thank you for our brothers and sisters have gone before us. I thank you for the previous group that pioneered this work, Lord. I pray that you continue to meet with them, challenge them, encourage them, Father God. Lord, I pray that we would all walk in freedom. And Lord, I thank you that because of Christ, we are able. Lord, I pray for my friends that you would visit with them, that you would meet with them on this matter. And Father God, um, you would calm fears and anxieties. You, remove, you would remove strongholds and obstacles. And for those that it's not their time, Lord, that you would also let them know that. In all things, we trust you. We praise you and we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.